Welcome to the NZ Sales and Marketing Insider, the podcast where we pull back the curtain and speak to the brains behind sales and marketing activity that has delivered real results. Get inspired and get actionable ideas by hearing what they did and how they did it. Brought to you by me, Ben Rose, along with Gorilla Technology. Welcome to another episode of the NZ Sales and Marketing Insider. I'm your host, Ben Rose, and today we're speaking to co-founder of media agency D3, Alex Radford. Alex is a digital media guy from way back who's worked at senior levels in a number of high-profile media agency groups in New Zealand. Over the years, he's helped brands like Farmers, Kathmandu and McDonald's dip their toes into the world of digital advertising, as well as accelerating digital growth for businesses like Les Mills, Trustpower and Air New Zealand. Starting his career in London in business development and sales roles, Alex later moved into the world of media where he focused on performance digital marketing. He's designed and run activity for a massive range of brands in all facets of digital media, from conversion to display, from social to search. He rose to become the regional head of digital media for the Starcom group of agencies, later moving to Dentsu Aegis Network, where he built up performance marketing brand iProspect from three people to a team of 20. In 2018, Alex took the plunge and partnered with longtime mate Richard Thompson to found their own media agency, D3. After just three years, D3 now boasts 12 staff and a client list including My Food Bag, The Cooperative Bank, Up Education, and MetLife Care. So, without any more waffle from me, let's hear from the man himself. Alex, welcome to the show. Hi, Ben. Nice to, uh, nice to be here. So, um, tell me how you got into media. Take me back to the beginning when you were in a business development role and a sales role. Um, so, I was actually living in Bristol at the time, uh, which is in the southwest of uh, England for uh, uh, all of you that aren't English. Um, and uh, I was working for a, a business that was focused on, um, uh, basically it was a, it was a fascinating organization that helped s- small businesses become medium-sized businesses. Mm. There was an insight that myself and the founder, Nick, uh, uh, who, uh, who sort of co-founder that we came up with, that there was lots and lots of resource for startups, uh, but very little advice for people moving from a small business into a medium-sized business. Uh, and we first of all built a bunch of conferences and went, and exhibitions that was our sort of bread and butter. Right. Uh, and but one of the things about exhibitions is that they are a once in a moment uh, event. Yeah. So the next piece was then building email um, uh, newsletters, websites, uh, and one of the things that I found most fascinating was. Um, and this is sort of showing my age, I guess, more than anything else, was this was also the time when Google uh, uh, and Yahoo were battling it out in the UK for search prominence. And uh, SEO and search engine marketing sort of became a, a really big part of what we did. Right. And the the biggest success to Fresh Business Thinking, which the business was called, uh, was definitely down to SEO. So when I moved to New Zealand in 2007, I was looking for a role in digital marketing, which was search, really. The display side of things never really interested me uh, at that time. Why is that? Uh, It was because search was so, um, it sounds sort of a bit silly, but search was so pure because it was, you're basically putting your products in front of people that you already knew were interested in what you wanted to sell, mm-hmm. where the display was that sort of classic interruptive media, and which it still is, uh, where you're still trying to push people into the product that you want them to buy. Mm-hmm. Uh, search was all people that have already 
you know, thought about it, understands your brand or looking for a particular um, answer to a question. Yeah. So that's where we were a content business. So, so our fresh business thinking was a, as a, was a content business. So it allowed us to bring people into our site who were already, you know, already interested because of our insight that, you know, if you're a small business owner wanting to expand, looking for finance, looking to get advice around HR, mm-hmm. looking to get marketing advice, mm-hmm. It was at the time when Google started to become the first place people went. Right, right. Yeah, yeah yellow pages were starting to decline a little bit. Yeah, okay, okay. So, so, so you came over to New Zealand, and where did you start working then? So I started working with a, uh, at a at a business called Surefire, which was a which still is a um, specialist search agency. Uh, so, we, so Surefire at the time. Um, we're working on a number of different brands, including University of Auckland, a couple of the SPA of, was telecom um, uh, projects, including Ferret. I don't mm-hmm. know if, if you right. remember. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I, my responsibility there was around business development for SEO and search and, and search marketing. Okay, okay. So, so search marketing, there are two kinds, aren't there? There's SEO, search engine optimization, and SEM, search engine marketing. So, can you explain what the difference is between those two? Yeah, sure. So. Uh, in its essence, SEO is natural or organic search, uh, and uh, SEM is paid. So whenever you see at the top of a search results from Google, whenever you see ad, uh, that means it's, it's paid for. It's a slight discoloration as well to the weather, that box. And anything which sits underneath those ads is organic. So what it is is that for the organic listing, Google is searching uh, its index to understand which website is most relevant to the query that you uh, entered into the search box versus uh, if someone clicks on your ad as a result of that query, you pay uh, as a cost per click. And that can be anywhere from cents through to hundreds of dollars uh, versus organic search, which is uh, you don't pay anything. It's part of Google's service. Okay. Okay. So, so you're working in search. You're working at a smaller agency. How do you then go from there to, um, you know, a big group like Starcom running the region? Yeah. Um, good question. The so at a time, so 2007 to, to even to 2009, search was still a fledgling industry in New Zealand. It was one of those. Uh, kind of eye-opening parts when I came over from the UK uh, where Google was starting to become massive uh, and Google in New Zealand was sort of one and a half people. Oh. I say half because one, one of the people was only working part-time. Um, so my job when I went in originally to, to the Omnicom group uh, and then on to Starcom group was a lot of education. So I remember sitting in a meeting with um, farmers, for example, in 2008, uh, and, um, and you know, they'd never spent a single cent on, on Google. Wow. Uh, same with the warehouse group. You know, they were kind of, I don't really think this is going to be a thing. Just feels like another world now. Yeah, it does. And where, you know, and then IAB uh, reports used to be, you know, search was a tiny uh, mm. uh, part of the uh, the makeup, yep. but then slowly, um, agency groups and clients got onto the understanding that this was actually a pretty good uh, marketing technique. Uh, so where we were starting to go from you know thousands of dollars a month, we were then going into hundreds of thousands of dollars. Now companies across the world will be spending millions of dollars a month in in paid search. So so, so let's let's talk about that. So you've got brands competing. 
um, small brands competing with big brands, um, some who are spending cents and some who are spending hundreds of thousands of dollars. So how does how does that all work? How does um, how does a company decide how much to pay for a term, and how do you make sure that the uh, you know the big agencies and the big companies don't drown out all competition in the market? What yeah, does that happen? that's a really good question as well. Um, yeah, the the. The thing about New Zealand, first and foremost, is, um, is, and we talk about this a lot in the media space, is around scale. There are only 5 million people living in New Zealand, of which probably about 3 million are, are sort of adults that you'd be interested to talk to. Um, and then at any one time, if you're selling uh, mobile phones or you're selling uh, watches or whatever it might be, there's only a certain number of those 3 million people are actively in market. Mm. So first of all is to understand how many searches are, are people doing, all of which is available by Google. They give you that information. Uh, and then you look to see um, how, much you need to, how much you need to spend cost per click. Uh, and then you can roughly work out how much you need to spend. But again, it's it's um, a lot of it comes to, down to authority and relevancy. So if you're a small business in New Zealand, uh, say in Auckland, that sells uh, insurance, you might not want to be competing at with a, a, a search term like insurance with you know Tower AA, mm. but you might want to be bidding on a keyword, for example, like uh, insurance companies Auckland mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, or, you know, small insurance companies or insurance broker. Mm -hmm. So you don't want to be competing with them with those broad terms. But but where you where your area of specialism is, uh, is where you want to be spending your money. So and you only obviously pay for the click that you get. Uh, so as long as you create the uh, the customer experience or the user experience, which drives that uh, action, you, you you've made your money, uh, you or at least you you, know, you get that return, yeah, and obviously yeah. it's all trackable. So you can you know I always say you you have to spend money with Google to understand how good Google advertising is going to be for your business, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because uh, testing and learning is the only way of doing it. Yeah. Okay. So 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 let's go over over that career and think about some of the campaigns and brands that you've worked with. What's one of the uh, projects you look back on? And you think, God, that you know that was a that was a great result. That was a great success. Yeah, it's. Um, I guess a lot of what I've done in my career has been less around campaigns and more around driving that sort of always on uh, uh, performance. Mm -hmm. What I sort of look at success is really around how do we beat last year or last quarter or last month. Mm -hmm. Or how do we get you know better share of search for or share of voice than our competitors? Yeah, yeah. Um, there are some you know the standout sort of campaign I guess was one that we ran years ago for uh, for a Volkswagen uh, campaign where and it, again it comes a lot down to insights. So the insight was that uh, the Toyota van, Toyota Hiace. Uh, was the the van for New Zealand? Right. There were more searches for highest than there were for the word van. Wow. So so what we what we came across with our creative partner was actually to start sort of interrupting people who were looking for highest because Volkswagen had the belief and and it was all backed up in fact that the uh, the Volkswagen van that name escapes me uh, was better than the highest okay. uh, in terms of that sort of checklist. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So it was quite a bold move. But what we actually did was we brought people onto a website from searching for highest saying Volkswagen's better. These are the reasons why came to the website uh, 
and there was a checklist between the highest, the Volkswagen, and uh, I think it was a, a, a Mitsubishi van. Right. Just right. so it was, you know, uh, it wasn't just not too obvious. Not too obvious. <laughs> uh, but they got their highest sales months for following that campaign. They did nothing else but search. Wow. wow. Uh, and they sold out uh, of their highest way before, or not the highest, the, the, the Volkswagen van. They sold out of them uh, earlier than they'd ever done before. Fantastic. And that was purely search. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's interesting because it's, 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 media is often seen as a science and others talk about it as an art. Mm. What, what do you think? Well, I think, I mean, the, 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 the doing of search is a science. It is cost per clicks, it's yep. impressions, it's... Uh, but like a lot of things, and, and, and Google actually are trying as hard as possible to move humans out of the uh, of the interaction at all. Um, they'd like you just to be able to plug in your website, put in how much you'd like, and do nothing else. Uh, but like most things in advertising, or, and indeed most things in business, it really comes down to the strategy. Mm-hmm. Similar like with that Volkswagen example, without having done the insights, without understanding who your audience yeah. is, understanding what you're trying to achieve, uh, we would have all we would have done is bid on the word van, or maybe bid on the word high ace, and you know that would have been it, mm-hmm. and it would have been okay, but it wouldn't have been game changing in the way that um, that how we did it and it's the same with with anything whether you're selling insurance or whether you're selling a mobile phone you have to understand who are you trying to target mm-hmm. why are they going to click on your ad what can you tell them uh you know the reasons to believe so to speak uh, and then how to drive them you know through that funnel once they're on your website uh so it's a it's bigger than just the act of doing search if you know what i mean and how how do media agencies work with their clients? Do they work directly with them? Do they work with creative, creative agencies? You know, I'm, I'm interested to understand how you've seen that working really well. Uh, from an all-media perspective? Yeah. So I think that the relationship from a media agency is always with client first, mm-hmm. uh, but it's very important. And, and actually where the magic happens is where you have a partnership uh, which includes the creative agency, the PR agency, the media agency, and the client. Uh, where the client really sits as a obviously as an important stakeholder, but the point is is that you know specialisms are there for a reason. Mm. You have a media person in the room because their specialism is media, PR, blah blah blah. blah. So um, where it works best is where you know the PR agency, the media agency, the creative agency might be you know talking to each other behind the scenes, mm. but ultimately there should be a balance of. Not argument, but debate. There should be, yep. you know, positive debate around how we should be working together, uh, with the client very clear on, you know, the direction. And how do they get the best from from their media agency? What's the best way to work with, you know, with with you guys? Um, it comes down. I mean, it hasn't changed in like twenty, thirty years, really. Which is, it all comes down to the brief. And one of the things that which we harp on about probably too much is that, you know, media or advertising or anything, is, is it should be 80% planning, 20% implementation. By the time you start thinking about, you know, who is my audience? Why should they care about my product? What channels are they in? What are our competition doing? 
you know, understand what the client actually wants to achieve. Mm. You know, we're passionate about not talking about media metrics, but talking about business outcomes. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. I, you know, it's easy to buy you a million impressions, right. or it's easy to buy a certain number of tarps on TV. Um, you know, that's not hard. What's really hard is finding that balance between all those different media channels to drive your business outcome. You know, that uplift in sales or improved brand awareness uh, or lead generation, because that's what it all comes down to. Well, that's what your client, your client's KPIs are those things. Yeah. You know, that's what they're trying to achieve. Yeah, absolutely. And we, and we want to understand what those business objectives are. Mm. So whenever it says, oh, we want to go really hard on TV. Right. You go, well, that's 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 an outcome. Mm. And it might, TV might not be the, the right response yeah, or the yeah, right yeah. channel. Yeah, okay. um, so it really starts with a conversation, getting that brief right, getting that um, those audience insights, understanding what's worked in the past, what hasn't worked in the past, and then start to build out a plan. Um, and really the, the enemy is always time because uh, these days everything needs to be done yesterday yeah. or yeah. at least tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So one thing um, I'm interested to hear from you about is, so this podcast is about sales and marketing. You, would, If you read the invitation, you would have seen mm, that. I got that. Um, good. So conversion and performance marketing, I'm really interested about because it's it's a good combination of, of the two. So why do you work in that type of marketing rather than others? I lo- A little bit like the search side of things, there is an absolute outcome. I can see, so Monday, uh, um, Today is Monday. I don't know if your podcasters know that. Um, <laughs> uh, but Monday's a really important day for us because we look at the performance results of all of our clients. Uh, so that's their actual uh, sales. So with right. my, my food bag, for example, we'll look back at last week's sales. Same with our co-op. We'll look at uh, applications. We'll then sit down with each of those clients uh, over the course of the next few days start to be able to go well this is what happened last week this is what was good this is what was bad how do we then start to improve performance but what we also do is that we don't see uh tv as a brand channel and search as a performance channel we kind of think that um everything sits as a performance channel so everything needs to be uh um uh, everything needs to have a positive return there's no point doing TV if all of it does is it makes your people love your brand more. Mm. Uh, it needs to be able to say, yeah, people have watched TV and then have gone on to do a search or people who have seen your search or seen your TV ad are more likely to click on a Facebook ad because they're aware of who you are and what product you're selling. So how do you, so how do you strike the balance between short-term and long-term objectives? Because some of those longer-term objectives you can't measure in a granular way, can you? No, you, you, you can't, but you can get proxies for them. Okay. So, for example, we use, um, uh, it's actually a, a tool which the guys, Burnett and Field, are, are experimenting with at the moment, right. which is using share of search as a proxy for brand health. All oh, right, okay. So the way that that works is that if we take, for example, um, uh, my food bag as an, as a, as an example, yeah. um, there are uh, basically four brands in that category. Mm-hmm. There's My Food Bag, there's Bargain Box, there's HelloFresh, and then there's Whoop. Mm-hmm. All of the so we look basically at the the volume of searches for each of those brands, 
say that there's just for argument's sake there's 25,000 searches for each of those yeah. that gives you a hundred percent of the market mm -hmm. uh, so you can say that this brand has got 25% share of search this one has got 30% yep. 50% whatever it might be and we can actually see that change as a result of above the line activity uh, and also we know that share of search and this is something that the Burnett and Field guys have done uh, does is, is almost identical to um, uh, share of market mm. so for our co-op brand for example their share of search is identical to their um, uh, share of market okay, which right. is uh, done by a very very expensive uh, research agency yeah. versus me on a couple of um, uh, uh, search tools yeah yeah so but they are almost identical down yeah, to okay. do percentage points so we are able to be able to say okay my food bag we just had a big TV campaign we've seen the sales uh, shift positively but we've also seen share of search uh, and share of brand um, or share of category change as well. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So we are looking at different ways of being able to monitor performance above and beyond just the the digital channels. Okay. What what's the what's the point of a media agency with lots of channels, you know, lots of publishers enabling advertisers to go direct? Why should someone use an ad agency or a media agency? I have no idea. <laughs> uh, no, it's a, it's, a, it's a very valid question. And I think for some, some businesses, there are no, there is no value. If you're doing, and again, in New Zealand, if you're doing just search and social, mm. uh, there's no real value in, in a media agency unless you want somebody to come in and make sure that you're doing it properly mm. uh, or that you've got the approach or the strategy right. Yep. Um, there's been a lot of times in my career that I've seen businesses going very fast in completely the wrong direction right uh, and what's what can be useful of somebody like myself or or some other media agencies is just to make sure that you're you are going in the right direction that you're spending money properly that you've got all of your analytics set up properly that you're doing your seo properly etc etc because you've got experience from but, other clients other yeah, categories because we yeah and i mean that's really with a like with a lot of professional services what you're paying for more than anything else is experience yeah uh you know we have a team of 12 people at d3 if you wanted you know a search account set up you know that the person that's setting it up has got 10 years experience yep. they know what they're doing they've got contact with google etc mm. um but a lot of it sits around um effectiveness and efficiency we're more efficient um, we know what works we've got a lot of experience we have contacts within the um, uh, within the industry uh, we have the tools which allow us to understand uh, audiences and, and a little sort of granularity so what it comes down to a lot of it is um, you could bring you could do your media in-house you can mm -hmm. go and buy TV direct you can buy newspapers direct but often you don't have the experience in terms of what are you what are you actually buying? Yeah, you know, radio for example, you know, there are a lot of packs which are sold to SME businesses, which you know there might be a couple of good ones in there, but a lot of the other you know a lot of the other placements might be, you know, three a.m. Uh, or five a.m., which you know someone's listened to it, but it might not be the right audience. Yeah, yeah. So it's very easy to spend money in advertising. It's just um, we see our job really around uh, making sure you're spending money wisely rather than wherever you can find it.
So, so let's so let's talk about um, you know the difference between the you know smaller businesses and big businesses. What what does each know that the other don't? You've worked because you know you've worked with small businesses and you've worked with massive brands. So when it comes to media, what are the differences that you've seen? I, I think that smaller businesses have to work harder. They have to uh, they have to really work on what works, what doesn't work, who's the right audience making sure that our product aligns with the audience, ability to test and learn. Bigger age, bigger clients have to have a different focus, which is around wastage. So they're trying to reduce wastage. So, you know, if you're a Air New Zealand or a Spark, where your media budget might be you know, 15, $20 million a year, you want to make sure that all of your money is being spent wisely. Mm-hmm. Versus a small business, which might have, say, a $50,000 a year budget, You've got to really make that work really, really hard. It's both the same thing in many respects, which is find find that right audience and make sure that they align with the product that you're trying to sell to them, that you understand what their needs and desires are, and then make sure that you're surfacing that in the creative that you show. They have the same problem, but they come at it at different angles, one with lots of money, one with less. Yeah, right. uh, but I think that, um, you know, Everybody has the same tools, which is which is what I like about the about digital media. Again, is that it's sort of it's democratized advertising to mm, a certain degree. Mm, mm. Everyone, it doesn't matter whether you are Spark or whether you're, you know, a small shop down the road. You, you're both probably sat on Google Analytics. Mm, you're mm. probably both using Facebook and and uh, Google Ads. Yeah. Uh, one might be spending hundreds of thousands of dollars a day. Other might be spending fifty dollars a day. But you've both got you've got exactly the same suite of tools mm. uh, you and it, and it really is some of the best businesses that I've worked for uh, or worked with are some of those owner operated businesses who are super passionate about you know making themselves money uh, and I think that's the um, and you'll be aware of this as well is that it is very different when you're spending your own money versus mm. you're spending somebody else's money yeah and that's what we're trying to instill into our business is it's like, well, what would you do if that was your money? You know, if you had $50,000 to spend, where would you spend it? What would you get the most out of? And I think that's where I always come from as when I'm dealing with um, my clients is if that was actually my money, where would I spend it? So has that changed at all? Because you spent years working as a salaried employee of big media agencies, working with big clients. Now you're a founder, you're paying your own bills. It is your own money. So has that approach changed? Um, for me, probably not. I, um, my dad uh, was a small business owner back in the UK, and I think he grew, grew or he built in me that understanding that you know you have to be smart with your money when you're when you're building a business. Mm. So I think whether it's you know, and I've worked along you know alongside businesses like Air New Zealand, uh, right the way down to um, obviously my own business, and I think that ultimately I do try and think about you know what is the right thing. For the client, yeah. um, and, and I do put myself into that mindset of that if that was my money, where would I spend it? Um, and I and I don't think that's changed. I think that there are agencies and there are people within agencies who see a budget as a as a target. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. if the budget says a hundred thousand dollars, then it's like right, I've got to spend that. Versus actually. Could I spend? Could I do the job for less, and then put the extra money into a, another pot? 
Um, we know that marketing budgets are, are fluid. Yep. But you kind of go, well, you know, if I can sell a thousand widgets for half the money that I've been given, but I could use that money for mm. a, a brand campaign which is going to support, then why wouldn't we do that? Yep. Um, yep. So I think that's a, that's a sort of a, a big part of the way that we, or, or certainly D3, looks at a, a budget and a, and, a, and a brief. So I'm keen to talk about D3 a little bit as a as a product and as a business, because you were talking before about the importance of getting close to your customer and understanding what they need and all that sort of thing. So how did you do that when you and Richard both decided to launch your own business? How did you decide what it was going to stand for, what it was going to be, and know that it was going to be something different? Did you do that? Yeah, and I, I, it was a it was a really interesting one. I think a lot of people that have come from whether you know from corporate businesses or big agencies, you know what you want it not to be, um, and that's actually the easy bit. the The hard thing is actually then going well. What do we want our business to stand for, uh, and how how do we, and how does that business then behave? And I think that's the. The big thing that we focused on was less around the rhetoric and more around the behavior. So we have values, like most other businesses have values, but rather than seeing them as a, you know, a, a poster on a wall, we focus more on what behaviors uh, those values should be, you know, should be embodied in people. So, you know, um, how does the the value of commitment. What does that, which is one of our values, how does how do how do our people understand how they should behave as a committed member of D three, uh, rather than just you know a poster on the wall that says we are committed to your business. Um, so we we did spend a lot of time around that, uh, and we also spent a lot of time thinking about what our clients wanted, um, and what our clients want, and and what we. We spent a lot of time talking to prospective clients and old right, clients right. around what makes a good media agency. Mm. After leaving uh, after leaving Denton before we launched D3, um, Richard and I set up a business called Future State Consulting, uh, and we spent a lot of time talking to the likes of uh, Mitre 10, uh, Juicy Car Rentals, Sky, around what they needed from their media agency. Okay, right. And... What that lent us to, or what that led us to, was what clients want are trust, uh, confidence, uh, and transparency. Because you're spending a huge amount of money on behalf of your clients, mm. and they want to know that you're putting as much thought and effort into where you spend their money uh, in that they do in terms of making it. So if you're getting a brief for a million dollars, for example, uh, you really need to be able, they need to be able to trust that you're not doing what's best for the agency, but what you're, what's best for your, you know, you the client. Mm. And that really came the, well, really was the main outtake of, of a lot of the work that we did prior to launching D3 was how do you instill confidence? How do you instill uh, that sense of trust? Um, and also that transparency. So one of the differences that that we have with D3 is that we make no commissions on any of the media buys that we make. Um, so everything is done as a set retainer. It doesn't matter whether you're um, buying TV, radio, press, search. Mm. We work out within um, basically what, what it costs to, to action that from an hourly rate perspective. 
Because what we didn't want is to people to go, oh, well, you're only recommending radio because, or you probably make a bit of extra coin, mm. um, you know, from a commission from radio, or, yeah, yeah, yeah. or oh, you haven't but search because, well, you don't make as much commission off search as you do off TV. We wanted to take that off the table completely, mm-hmm. so we had a completely agnostic view of all media channels. Right. So everything that we recommend is what's right for the client, not what's right for the agency. It's interesting how you've baked that into the model as well. Yeah, and similarly, like um, we've also closed down avenues where, for example, lots of agencies make money on technology. So we'll, you know, we'll buy it from, we'll buy say ad serving technology from from Google at say four cents a click, and then we'll sell it to the client for twelve cents a click, uh, and um, we can make huge amounts of money. But again, so we have a baked into our model is all technology costs at uh, at cost. Right. Right. So right. we don't add any commissions. Now the one challenge to all of that is that. Um, on paper, we're more expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, the reality is, is that because we're not earning anything under the table, if that's the right it's terminology, just transparent. it's completely transparent. Yeah, so we do yeah. come across as being more expensive as a than a traditional agency. Uh, but that's we make that very clear why mm-hmm. um, that we're not we're not making commissions, we're not making you know, uh, any sort of deals round the back. Yeah, everything okay. is everything is what you see is what you get. Yeah, and I think there are certain companies that are happy with that, uh, and there are others that kind of go, "Look, I'm really happy to go with an agency that, you know, I can say to my CFO that they're the cheapest in town, mm, mm, mm. but you might not be getting the best service." Yeah. Okay. Okay. Okay, Alex, this has been really interesting. Thank you. You've um, you've given given us a really good insight into into media. I'm really keen. Um, for my last question to ask you, if you were to give our listeners one piece of advice that they could take away in action tomorrow morning, what would it be? I would have to go back to, back to my passion, which is uh, SEO. Um, it might not be it's definitely not the sexiest part of advertising or marketing, but it is definitely uh, the most the, the hardest working. It it. Search engine optimization again hasn't changed for twenty years since Google started. Um, it will give you the best possible leads that you'll see. Uh, it doesn't have a, a price ticket like you have with um, paid search, uh, but it is uh, relatively hard work in terms of time, um, and also you have to have a long-term vision. It's not something that's going to change. But all of the Best businesses, digital businesses especially, uh, or most successful digital businesses, have got SEO at the heart of what they do. So um, that would definitely be the the thing that I would suggest to your listeners uh, that you um, you look at. If you don't have a SEO strategy, then think about getting one. If you do, then best thing to do is Google the main product that you sell, not your name, but the main product that you sell and see if you turn up. If you do, well done. Uh, If you don't, give me a call. (laughs) Awesome. All right, Alex, thank you. Really appreciate it. All right, thanks, Ben. Cheers. Thanks for listening to this episode of the NZ Sales and Marketing Insider. If you liked it, you can follow the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favourite podcast app for fortnightly episodes. For other great New Zealand podcasts, 
head over to podcasts.nz. And if it's IT expertise you're after, then make your way to gorillatechnology.com. See you next time.